Spring Valley family, this is week number seven in our series, uh, we're calling Seven Choices, and uh, thank you for joining us today and all those that are joining us on our online campus as well. Let's just uh, welcome them. How about that? Those of us who are here in person. It's crazy how sometimes because of a holiday weekend or something like that, in-person drops, online comes up. Uh, but we consistently have uh, between 500 and 600 people join us every single Sunday online. Absolutely uh, amazing. Uh, so this is just literally a fraction right now of what we see uh, of those that are with us right now at 9 o'clock. Well, like I said, this is week number 7. Uh, we're starting this brand new series next week called TEAM. That's an old coaching acronym, Together Everyone Achieves More, is what TEAM really stands for. And did you know, you may not be aware, did you know almost every single person promise in the Bible is not written to an individual. We claim them, but almost every single one with few exceptions are written to groups, groups of people. And, and together, we can experience some things it's completely impossible for us to experience in the Christian life on our own. And that's what that series is going to be all about, the, the blessings of together, the things that only you and I can experience together, not in isolation, uh, not, not by ourselves, but together, everyone achieves more, everyone experiences more. So that's going to be next week. We're going to kick that off, and that's going to lead right up until Easter. Uh, but quick review of where we've been in these seven choices, really, that if we make these choices and follow them with actions, as we've talked about over the last few weeks, our lives are going to be different. We're going to be different at the end of this year uh, than we are right now. These uh, resolutions, if you will, or, or goals that we have, we're actually going to meet these goals if we make the wise decision, the wise choice, and then follow it with action. Week number one, we talked about choosing growth. Growth doesn't happen naturally. It has to be something deliberate and intentional. Then we talked about choosing enthusiasm, how enthusiasm is so contagious, and yet you see so little of it actually in our world today. Then choose generosity, just the difference that it makes of being open-handed, open-hearted with people instead of closed-fisted and miserly. Choosing rest. I think I need to go back and listen to that one again. Uh, that one's probably the hardest one really to walk out, I think, on a regular basis. Uh, Friday was the first day off I've had all month, quite literally. and Because uh, we had a mission trip tucked in there. But uh, catching up for sure. Then choose connection. And then last week we talked about choose love. And today the seventh choice that I want us to look at is one that's all throughout the Bible. There's so much in the scripture from Genesis to Revelation uh, on this topic and yet hear very little about it in churches today. And that's choose holiness. Choose holiness. Our, our, our verse, kind of our key verse, umbrella verse for this whole series has been Proverbs chapter 2, verse 11. Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. And boy, if there's one thing that will really keep you and I safe, it's holiness. Making that choice to live holy. And, and the big statement, kind of big idea of this series has been and is today as well. The choices I make determine the person that I become. So choose holiness. Let me, let me start by asking this. What do you think of when you think of the word holy? Holy. What does holiness mean to you? Of all the things in the scripture that describe God, there's only one of his attributes or his characteristics 
that, that really are, are elevated to the third power, if you want to look at it that way. In heaven, around the throne of God, the angels and the elders and, and all that, that are described in the book of Revelation, as they're worshiping the, the risen lamb, Jesus, they don't say, love, love, love is the Lord God Almighty. They don't say, wrath, 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 judgment, judgment, judgment. There's only one of his attributes and characteristics that's elevated to the third power. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Nothing else is even elevated to the second power. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And what we may be surprised to find out today is this. That's what God expects of every one of his followers, to be holy. So, so we need to kind of, first of all, understand what holiness is. And then I hope to kind of blow up some wrong ideas of what holiness is. So some, some myths about holiness. And then real practically, how you and I can choose holiness. And at the end of the message today, I think it's very fitting, we're, we're going to be sharing communion together. Which is a real holy moment. Think about it. The Bible itself is probably, if you look in the inside of your Bible, it will say, Holy Bible. What does that mean? What does holy mean? Does holy mean perfect? Does holy mean uh, without any mistake? What does holiness mean? How can you be holy and me be holy if it's no mistakes? What does the word holy mean? The word holy in the truest sense doesn't mean perfect, it means sacred, it means set apart, it means unlike any other book. That's why this is called the Holy Bible. There are all kinds of books that have been written about, there are kinds, all kinds of other sacred scriptures, but there's only one Holy Bible. Because this is set apart from every other book that's ever been written. It's the Holy Bible. Set apart for a purpose. That's really the best understanding of what holiness really means. God has called you to be holy. God has called me to be holy. Look at what the scripture says. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. It says, but now... You must, you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says, you must be holy because I am holy. How's your holiness holding up? How are you doing holding up your holiness? Because this is not a suggestion, this is a commandment. God is saying, you have to be holy. Holy. As my child, as a follower, you have to be holy. Again, this wasn't written to an individual. This was written to every follower of Jesus Christ. You have to be holy. Just like God is holy. Set apart, other than completely different than anything else. Right now, some of us in our minds, I'm sure, is like circuitry overload. Like, how in the world am I going to do this? It's because we have the wrong idea of what holiness is. But be sure, once we understand what it is, you must be, not, not, not try to be, not give a little effort, you must be holy. Because I am holy. 
What does that mean? God is holy, he's pure, he's without sin, and he calls you and I to be like him. And you might say, that, that, that's impossible, that's a tall order, there's no way I can do that. Well, that's true. But the scripture is really clear that you and I are called to holiness. Let me put it this way. Jesus said to his disciples, about his disciples, in John 17 when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he, he prayed that they would be in the world but not of the world. See, that's holiness. That's separated from the rest of the world. Separated from the culture. Separated from the values that this world says those are the most important things in life. No. What God says are the most important things in life. That's the way I'm going. And that in and of itself is holiness. Separate, different. We're to be holy. It's God's will that you should be sanctified. That's another church word, Bible word, theological word. But it's very, very closely related to holiness. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4.3 in case you were wondering. It says it is God's will that you should be sanctified. That, that's the process of becoming more and more like Jesus every day. That, that we're, we're changing from the inside out. That our attitudes, our values, our mindset, the words we speak... The, the, the motivation of our heart, all those things are changing to be more and more like Jesus every single day. That's the process of sanctification. So many times people ask me, you know, I wish I knew what God's will for my life was. There it is. You ever ask that question? I just wish I knew what God's will for my life was. There it is. That you be sanctified. You become more like Jesus today than you were yesterday. And tomorrow another step closer to becoming more like Jesus. This word sanctified comes from the same word in the New Testament as holiness. And it means to be consecrated or set apart. Let me give you an, an example of this. I brought this. This is no ordinary little plate here. This is the Williamson's Fine China. It's called Liberty by Lennox. I need to be very, very careful. This is over 32 years old. When we got married, this was the china that we picked out. 32 years of marriage. Susie and I, we were trying to talk, we were talking about it. We were like, how often have we used that? We think being very liberal seven times in 32 years. Seven times in 32 years. How many of you have that china you never use? Let me see your hands. Yeah, we're not alone, baby. We're not alone at all. But, but in a very real sense, this is holy. It's set apart for a specific purpose. It's not every day. It's not ordinary. It's not the one that you take the big steak knife to and it's all slashed up and marked up and everything like that. This is holy. Set apart for a purpose. That's what holiness means. It doesn't mean that this is perfect. Seeing fingerprints on it. It doesn't mean it's without any spot or anything, but it means there's a specific use for this. And to, and to use this every day, it wouldn't look the way it does after 32 years. I don't think we have any other plate that's 32 years old. It's only this. I remember in my house growing up, my mother had a china cabinet. Now, we don't have a china cabinet. My mother had a china cabinet, and all her wedding china was displayed there. I don't remember ever seeing it on the table. <laughs> never. It was like you just had it for, for some reason, but the reason never came. 
That's not what, that, 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 that's really not, the, the, the analogy breaks down at some point, you know. But this is set apart, this is for a specific purpose, for a specific use. So what does that mean? Watch. I don't use this to hammer nails. I, I, I don't use this as a, as a frisbee with the dogs. There's a specific purpose for this plague. Set apart. Not to be used or abused some other way. What was the purpose it was created for? And that and that alone is what it would be used for. Now you're beginning to understand what holiness is. Now you're beginning to understand what sanctification is. It's, it's God's will that we would be sanctified, that we're holy. And here's, here's the big catch, the big kicker in this. Without holiness, no one will actually see God. Did you know that? If we're not holy, we won't see God. Bible makes that really, really clear. Uh, look at just two examples. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. It, it says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So again, this is not like, this is like a little suggestion. This is like a really important thing. So many times people, you know, in conversation, they'll, they'll say, I just don't see God working in my life. When we're holy, when we're set apart, when our focus is on what God wants us to be focused on, guess what? We see the evidence of his goodness all over our life. That's the perspective of holiness. This isn't talking about heaven. This is talking about earth. People won't see God working in their life if they're not holy. If they don't make that choice to be set apart, to be different, not to just go along with the crowd. I don't go along with the crowd because Christ Jesus is my Lord. And that's holiness. This is the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. But look at Jesus' own words in what we call the Sermon on the Mount or, or the Beatitudes, a specific part of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, blessed are what? The pure in heart. Why? They will see God. The reason why for many of us we don't see God working in our lives is because our hearts aren't pure. And Jesus said, those who are pure in heart, they're going to see God intervening. They're going to see God working. They're going to see God's plan. They're going to look around and they're going to see God everywhere that he's involved with all the little details of their life if their heart's pure. Another place in the Bible, it puts it this way, to the pure, all things are pure. They don't see negative. They don't see bad. They don't see evil. They don't see those things. To the pure, all things are pure. Blessed are the pure in heart, because they will see God. It's a big, big deal, but we have to choose holiness. Holiness doesn't just happen. I have to choose it. You have to choose it every single day. I don't know how many of you are aware of uh, what's been happening going on almost three weeks now in, at Asbury University in, in Kentucky 
that there's just been a great outpouring of God's presence on the campus of Asbury University. So much so that beginning on uh, February the 8th at the end of a chapel service, it's a Christian university, uh, they have had continual praise and worship, scripture reading, People giving their testimony for going on 24 hours a day, seven days a week for almost three weeks now. These are 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds. How powerful is that? And it's already begun to spread to like 10 other university campuses in the United States. Now, you don't hear a lot about this on the news. Some news coverage, some news outlets have covered this. But, but in reality, one, one uh, uh, major cable news network wanted to come and, and do a live broadcast, and they said, no, don't come. And the reason they said it was this, because we're not political, no one's making money, and we have no leader except God himself. We don't need your publicity. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. It, it, in a culture that it's all about sound your megaphone as loud as you can. Be louder than anyone else. They're like, no, thank you. This is just a God thing. And, and, and you can actually, it's streaming on YouTube. You can watch it. I, I spent over three hours this weekend just watching. Just absolutely incredibly powerful what God is doing. Actually, today is the last day they've made the decision that because the students run it and all, they're like, that, that's enough. Almost, almost three weeks, starting the third week. That's enough. Because it's already spreading all over. These are, this is a generation, let me read this. I thought this was fantastic. I have several friends that have actually gotten on planes and flown out there uh, to, to experience it themselves. One of them wrote this, which I thought was absolutely amazing. He said, I, uh, I find it interesting that God would mark this outpouring with, remember these are 18, 19, 20, and 21-year-olds, a tangible sense of peace for a generation with unprecedented anxiety a restorative sense of belonging for a generation amidst an epidemic of loneliness, an authentic hope for a generation marked by depression, a leadership emphasizing protective humility in relationship with power for a generation deeply hurt by the abuse of religious power, the focus on participatory adoration for an age of digital distraction. It feels as if God is personally meeting these young adults in meaningful ways that they need him most. That was his summary of what he saw happening there at Asbury. Absolutely powerful. Do you know how it began? At the end of the chapel service on February the 8th, when everyone was beginning to be dismissed and go to their classes, one young man stood up and went to the microphone and he said, I have to confess publicly a secret sin in my life. And when he publicly confessed secret sin in his life, the presence of God fell. And everyone stopped. And it's been going on now for almost three weeks. You talk about holiness? Can you imagine just like right now if, if all of a sudden God's presence hit where every one of us just started blurting out secret sins we've been holding on to? Powerful. Holiness. Blessed are the pure in heart. Young, one young man wanting his heart to be pure. 
launched a revival at Asbury University. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Here, here's a couple of, of myths about holiness. The first one is this, holiness is not what you imagine. It's just, it, it's not what you think. It's not what you imagine at all. In fact, let me put it this way. Holiness is not outwardly. Ho- holiness is inwardly. It's a matter of the heart. So, so let me put it this way. Holiness isn't, it doesn't mean acting strange. If, if you're strange before Jesus, you're going to be strange after Jesus. That's just a fact. <laughs> You know, strange people, they receive Jesus. They're still strange. You know, God love them, but they're still strange. Don't, don't put that on God. You know, holiness, holiness doesn't mean that all of a sudden we, we become really, really weird. It, it does, holiness is not detached from everyday life. Jesus was so connected and he was absolutely holy. We've heard it said before, he's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. That's not holiness. Holiness is he's so heavenly minded, he is impacting the lives of everyone around him. That's the picture of holiness. It it, it spills over and it has a ripple effect. Just like that young man, never, I think in his wildest dreams did he think, he just knew, I just have to confess what's been going on in my life that I've been hiding. Launched an outpouring of God's presence there on that campus. In fact, the Bible tells us this, Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. That's holiness. That's holiness. How much much of my time, my free time, I mean, every one of us, you know, there, there are certain huge blocks of time in our lives that's just not free. We work, we have priorities, but then there are those times that we have free time, that it's our time. How much of, of your daily free time revolves around your focus on Jesus? How much of that free time revolves around the things of this earth? Reminds me of the great old hymn of the church. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Set your heart, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. That's what holiness really looks like. Third thing is this, holiness comes through Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, I missed one. Holiness is not achieved through determination or willpower. Sorry about that, Drew. Holiness is not achieved through determination or willpower. We can't make ourselves be more holy. We can't force it. it we, we can't, you know, it's almost like a, a child trying to make themselves grow. You, just, you can't do that. But what you can do is this. You can eat right. You can sleep right. Get the rest that you need, the exercise that you need. You can do certain things that are going to help the growth, but you can't make yourself. You can't force yourself. That's the same thing with holiness. It's not achieved through determination or willpower. Here's the third thing, and this is how it is achieved. Holiness comes through Christ, through Jesus Christ. How how do we get there? It's only through Jesus Christ. Jesus died to make you holy. He died to make me holy, not just to pay the price for my personal sins, 
not just to pay the price for your personal sins, but that our lives would be changed when we receive that sacrifice, just like we're going to remember in just a moment as we share communion. Look at this verse, Ephesians chapter 5, this passage, oftentimes it's used in terms of marriage, and it can be, but that's not what Paul's talking about at all is marriage here. He's actually showing an, an analogy to Jesus Christ and the church. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He sacrificed for you, for me. Why? Why did Jesus sacrifice? He gave himself up, why? To make her holy. That you and I would be set apart to fulfill God's plan and purpose. Not, not, to, not to be used for other things, not to lose our focus on, on all these things the world says, look at me, look at me, give me attention. He gave himself up to make her holy, set apart, different. Cleansing her by the washing of the water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. There it is again. Jesus died so that you would be holy, so that I would be holy. How much difference is there between your life and someone else's life that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior? I, I, okay, yeah, check the box, hour on Sunday morning, gotcha. But what about the rest of the week? What, what about the rest of the time? Does your life show that you're set apart, that you're different? And this doesn't mean like going and living in a monastic community. That's what the whole next series is about. It's about together. It's, it's not about just being solo and isolating yourself. That's not what Jesus did. He didn't leave us that example. But he was perfectly holy and at the same time, friend of sinners. It has everything to do with what's going on in the heart, the matters of the heart. Jesus is the only one that can really make you and I holy, and that's why he died. The Bible calls this process of without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless, sanctification. It's the process in which I grow and become more and more like Jesus, but I still can't do that with my own efforts. That's why we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because you know what? When we allow the Holy Spirit to really do what he wants to do in my life and your life, do you know what we become? Holier. That's why he's called the Holy Spirit. Holier. That's the work that he does. And it's the same spirit that was in Jesus himself. See, only Christ can change a human heart. No amount of preaching can do it. No, no amount of singing can do it. Not even any, any amount of reading the Bible can do it. Only Jesus can change a human heart. And only when Christ has changed your heart do you and I ever find ourselves growing in holiness. And so the choice we have to make today is, God, I choose to be holy. God, show me what's not right in my life. 
God, God, convict me of my wrong attitudes, my, my opinions. Convict me of the thoughts that I have before I ever say them. One of the greatest works that anyone can ever be confident of, the Holy Spirit is working in our life, is that he regularly convicts us of sin. Jesus said that's one of the main reasons why he would send the Holy Spirit. He will convict the world of sin and judgment to come. When's the last time you just got pulled up short by the Holy Spirit? Like, don't do that. Don't say that. Stop, stop that right now. You, you can be sure God is working in your life. When you feel that, uh-uh, I wouldn't, nope. Or, Greg, I want you to do that. Greg, go talk to that person. Greg, go over there and, and, and say that. Take that action. So very, very important. Last thing is this. Holiness is a process. It's a process. I hope, I pray that every one of us, if we've been walking with the Lord for any length of time, I'd say more than one year, okay, that you could just look in the rearview mirror, look over your shoulder and like, I'm not that same person anymore. See, that's the process of sanctification. That's becoming more and more holy. And we have to keep making that choice so that this time next year, if the Lord allows, we look back over our shoulder and like, God, I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life. What a, what a perfect song for worship. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I'm going to ask right now, would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you. Thank you, God. that we make the choice to be holy and you give us the power to change. It's only by your Holy Spirit. Father, we want to cooperate with your Holy Spirit today and tomorrow and next week and next month so that at the end of this year, 2023, we would be able to look over our shoulder and say, I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life and all in my life. God, may we be more holy in the weeks and months and years to come because we choose holiness every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before we go to communion, I want to I wanna share one last verse with you. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. This is where our confidence really is in terms of being holy. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. See, he began the work of holiness in you. He began the work of holiness in me. All we've got to do is say, I surrender to it. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And you know what? Every single day, yes, Lord, make that choice. Choose holiness. And watch how he transforms our lives. Tim Keller put it this way. Because he died and rose for us, speaking of Jesus, he's our representative in heaven 
So we are completely forgiven. And he's our companion on earth, so we are intimately loved. And someday, we will not just sense him at our side, but we will see him face to face. And then we have a blessing that we like to end every service with. If you guys uh, wouldn't mind, well, if you feel comfortable, you can raise your hands like this. A lot of people like to do that as a symbol of receiving the blessing. It goes like this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may he give you his peace. Go in peace, Valley family. We'll see you next time.